Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Hello. And today we're joined by our friend, Steph. Hey, guys. Today we're talking about Toy Story 4 and letting go. So spoiler alert for Toy Story 4. Sit back, relax, or if you're driving, please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. So, Steph, thanks for coming back onto the show. Of course, anytime. You're becoming a real all-star friend. <laughs> a real all-star in general? No. Oh, no. God. No. <laughs> Nothing uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, I think... Uh, I'll make you, it one day. <laughs> if you come on, like, five more times, then we might, like, promote you to... From acquaintance friend to, like, kind of friend. Mm. And then I start... To get to like plug my different endeavors on the show and stuff, or is that no? Oh my gosh! <sighs> I'll make it. I'm. I'm Maybe you'll get a. It. You might get like a little blurb on uh, some <laughs> hypothetical website, which may or may not be coming soon. Wow, I'm very fascinated in this hypothetical website. <laughs> um. um. So, yeah, uh, sorry, I got a little distracted about this hypothetical website. I was imagining what it would look like, like the homepage would have our logo and it would have the the yellow background with the squares that we have in our logo. Yeah, I can imagine it perfectly because I am the one who has designed that logo and background. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Steph, so as everyone knows, you design stuff for us for free because we exploit you. Um, and for that reason, we're willing to hear you vent right now if there's something you need to talk about. Well, you know, guys, there is. Let me just tell you a little story of what has happened to me today. And it all started years ago um, when I needed to buy Photoshop in college. So I bought Photoshop in college, which... Way back when, you could purchase for a one-time price and own for the rest of your life. They have Mm -hmm. since moved to the type of scam where you have to pay for it forever for the rest of your life in order to have access to it, which is uh, so twisted. I can't believe anything functions like that. It's an absolute criminal scam. Anyway, I unknowingly paid for Photoshop for two years, $30 a month. So I was like, wow, this was really my bad, and I canceled it. Two months later, I realized it's still charging me. So I called up and had to go through the whole thing to cancel, and I ended up crying to a poor Adobe (laughs) worker in order to get a $60 refund. It worked. But anyway, the whole affair got me so upset at Adobe itself. Fast forward to today, I was in need of a video editor, the industry standard of which is Adobe Premiere, which they offer a free trial of. So I was like, okay, I will get myself the free trial and do all the work I need to do in seven days. But upon looking up (laughs) that you need to put in your credit card information and it automatically starts to charge you for an uncancelable year-long subscription if you miss the 
The deadline. The deadline to cancel your free trial. I got re-angry at Adobe and refused to download it. Yeah, that's a good call because in those types of, like, subscriptions but not yet situations where they automatically charge you because you have to put in your credit card information, they make it difficult to cancel. Like, if you wait until day seven and then, like, press, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to go into my profile and click unsubscribe, they're like, oh, sorry, you have to do this over the phone, and it's only from, like, nine to five. Sorry. (laughs) And they're closed on weekends and, and, you know, all this other stuff. It's absolutely ridiculous. Adobe's the devil. Do you guys remember that um, phone game Mario Run? No. Yes, I still have it. <laughs> yeah. They had, uh, Steph, yours is definitely way worse, but I remember it was advertised as a free app, and then once you beat, like, the first or second level, they were like, okay, now buy the rest of the game, and everyone was very upset by it. Ugh. Yeah. They, uh, they, I bought it. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was furious about it. Criminals. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, part of me wants to buy it, but I can't out of principle. Yeah, it's the principle of the thing. And I get it, I do, and there are certain things I'll take a stand on, but Mm -hmm. Super Mario? (laughs) Super Mario Run. (laughs) Yeah, I I played it for a pretty long time. Eventually, I got my money's worth. Um, Yeah. I don't play it too often anymore, but I did feel, I think... It was pretty expensive. It was like ten ninety nine. Oh, for the game? I didn't even imagine it be. I don't even remember how much it was, but I was like, it, yeah, for for a phone app, yeah. it was ten ninety nine, which is ridiculously expensive. So expensive. But I think they categorized it like as a video game, just that happens to be on your phone. Right. Um. So I bought into the scam, you guys. I did it. I could definitely see buying that game. I, it just was not for me. And I also understand them advertising it as free. That's just... It wasn't. It wasn't free. Yeah. They <laughs> lied. Um, but something else that isn't free is uh, Joe's and my improv show. We... <laughs> what a terrible... <laughs> Was that a transition or not? <laughs> it works. Keep going. It works. You made uh, it happen. Joe and I had a show on July 13th at Story Screen Beacon Theater. Um, it was pretty fun, and we have our next show on July 27th at 8 o'clock at Story Screen Beacon Theater, and I think you should come by, listeners. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really fun time. We have all this new comfy furniture, and since it's in the movie theater, you can get movie theater snacks. I can attest that it is indeed a very good time. I have a blast, and I am not biased. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, come check it out. Serious Comedy Theater. Something else that isn't free is paying to see Toy Story 4. Um, It's still in theaters. You can go see it right now. And uh, Steph, do you think you can give us a little synopsis of Toy Story 4? I can indeed. Toy Story 4 is the Toy Story gang added again. When Bonnie, their new kid, via Toy Story 3, bonds 
with a toy she made out of garbage. Um, and Woody struggles to find his new place with a new kid. Yeah, it was one of my favorite Toy Stories. Um, I loved the new characters, especially Forky, who was made out of a spork um, and some pipe cleaners, I think they're called, and googly eyes. Yeah, and it was just such a jarring experience for me to watch Woody not be the favorite toy and not get played with at playtime. It was uh, it was actually like a very emotional experience watching it. It was very emotional. And I will say that to your, like, you said that this one was one of your favorites. For me, when I think of a series that's done very well, I almost imagine it's hard for each latest one not to be your favorite just because each one builds off the last one. The sentimentality, the bonds you have with the characters, and all that kind of thing. Um, these, you know, when movies get into threes, fours, fives, um, it can become almost like a, a series. Right. And But it can definitely go in the opposite direction as well. Yes. As you get into sequels upon sequels, they start recycling ideas or they start like using it as just a money grab and they don't pay too much attention to the story or the character arcs. And they did not do that for Toy Story 4. Definitely very well done. Yeah, I was very worried, as I think the public at large was, that this was just going to be a money grab, like a bad movie that they just put out to you know sell some toys and sell some movie tickets but i have to agree i think this might be my new favorite toy story movie yeah and going back to what you were saying joe about woody himself not being the favorite um i think they knew that they built years upon years of uh connection between us and woody because he was never the perfect character but he was always uh, caring. Like, certainly he liked being in charge and he was a little bit uh, power hungry, I guess, when he wasn't the favorite for a little while in Toy Story 1. But you you come around to, like, his point of view and, like, how difficult it is to shift the dynamics of friendships or ownerships or whatever the case may be for toys. And I also like the dynamic of the quote-unquote favorite toy is kind of the one who is in charge of the room and of the toys. And Woody was always so good at caring for all the toys in his room. You know, always no toy left behind, kind of. Um, which um, made him a very good favorite toy. Yeah, there was always that sense of, he's got your back. Like, he sacrificed himself in Toy Story 2... To get uh, Wheezy, is that his name? Mm -hmm. To get Wheezy back, uh, which, mind you, he's named after his defect. So when we fix him, well, we just took away his identity. But that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> and he ends up getting kidnapped, and the whole story revolves around that. Um, hey, wait a minute. Is every Toy Story the same? <laughs> wait. It's I think that they're just different enough. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i agree i'm totally i uh i'm gonna go back to one of my favorite guilty pleasures fast and furious 
I'm not really going in <laughs> for the plot. I'm going in for the character growth. And it exists, Joe, okay? No, Alex, I've been meaning to talk to you. Um, I have not seen one Fast and Furious movie in the theater, but I'm very excited to see this spinoff they're doing with The Rock and Jason Statham. Yes. Um, so <laughs> I'm very interested in going and seeing that. Perfect. I finally have someone to go with. Um, going back to Toy Story 4, one aspect that I loved was the quote-unquote villain, uh, Gabby Gabby, which I think was a good twist on what they did with Toy Story 3. In Toy Story 3, they acted good, and then all of a sudden he turned out to be evil. What was that guy's name? Lotso. Lotso. He was an awesome villain. Gabby was an even more awesome villain because... She had the same exact motivation as Woody. We just didn't know her yet, so we weren't on her side. And her means seemed kind of aggressive, but she just wanted to be loved. Um, whereas Lotso had wanted to be loved and then gave up and became evil. Yep. <laughs> it's also kind of uh, an interesting take to see like how hard it is for certain toys to loved um you know woody's a a cowboy doll and even though he's you know um not the favorite in bonnie's room i think most kids would readily play with him but gabby and her um army of ventriloquist dolls (laughs) were like kind of spooky and so it might be really hard for them to get kids to want to play with them um and not only not only the plight of different toys Um, but also different toys in different scenarios, like the antique shop toys. Um, I think you mentioned, Alex, just how much Toy Story 4 expanded on the universe of the life of a toy um, in a lot of different ways, because we had carnival toys and antique toys and sandbox toys, you know, communal sandbox toys, whatever. Um, And uh, going back just to antique toys, I loved the aesthetic of her creepy, like, ventriloquist doll dummy followers. It was very creepy in a way that I found so funny. Yeah. There were a few times in the movie theater where I was laughing the most often and the loudest, uh, probably because my comedic sensibilities are much more finely tuned than these stupid kids who go to watch Toy Story 4. The audacity. Yeah, like, who do they think that movie's for? <laughs> yeah. um, I will venture to say, it's not for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <I'm, laughs> when we really get into this, like, the, the topics that get covered for adults, for sure. Not not just adults. It's the, the people who have grown up with Toy Story. That's true. Um, one thing which uh, you brought up, Steph, was the, like, expansion of the universe. When they get into um, Forky's sort of crisis of thinking that he's trash, as well as Woody's crisis of no longer being the leader and what is his purpose in life if to if it's just to be another one of the toys... Um, they really get into these heavy topics that I think a lot of millennials joke about, but like 
often struggle with in real life. <laughs> they joke about it because it's true. Yeah. You know, like it's a real struggle. That kind of uh Yeah, like one of those like hide your depression behind memes type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very soon after the movie where I started seeing like screen caps or gifs from the movie and people were like LOL me or stuff like that. Yeah, like Pixar finally f- uh, made a character about me, and it was Forky going, I'm trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I find I relate most with Duke Kaboom, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's that sweet, sweet Canadian mustache. <laughs> <laughs> he has a big old face full of mustache. <laughs> um, which, oh, I do find, as a Toy Story 4, being the fourth... I think it was important to introduce more characters, Mm -hmm. and they did a great job of it. Uh, Duke Kaboom, Ducky and Bunny, um, bringing back Bo Peep, but her having her own posse. Yeah. I loved it. I loved Bo Peep coming back because she was only in the first movie, right? She's in the second one, but like very briefly. Basically, once the rescue party leaves the house, she's like not in the movie anymore. I thought it was Toy Story 2 where they're like, we don't want another Bo Peep. And that's why he goes to rescue Easy because she had already been gone. I'm almost positive that it's the third movie. I'm almost positive it's the second. <laughs> All right, listeners, you resolve this dispute for us. I refuse to look it up until someone messages us on Instagram yeah. and tells us what it is. I'll look it up and keep it to myself. Both of us will just keep on thinking we're right. Worst case yeah. scenario. Also, and Steph and I will never talk again. <laughs> can we listen? Can we finish this episode first? I'll try. <laughs> just talk to me, Joe. Steph, talk to me. Okay. 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 Fine. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I love that Bo Peep was a character that we knew from at least the first one. <laughs> and she came back around and had this whole life without... Because by the time Toy Story 4 comes around, it had been, you know, what, 18 years? And she had this whole life, and we get to, like, get a glimpse into it. And um, I loved it. Alex, tell Steph that that was a really good point. <laughs> um hey steph that yeah. was a really good point is that from you um joe should i say that it's from you or from me uh say just say just say it's from you i guess okay that's from me okay good because if it was from joe i would take it as an insult joe that was a good call <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, the so sorry. So, the the expansion of the universe which they created um, really developed a lot of dangerous questions, which I don't think that the movie needed to answer. But it's like a terrifying existence as a toy, because you just live forever until someone or something breaks you. So literally, you have to get killed as a toy. And I found that concept, like, really scary. Because, like, um, when you go back to, like, the best and worst superpowers, one of the worst superpowers is um, immortality. Because that increases your chances of watching everyone around you disappear or die to 100%. Um, I love this. I mean, just those questions. And also... You know, going back to the 
antique toys and like the thought that your lifespan as a toy created for a very specific purpose of entertaining a child your lifespan far far outlives that purpose and as a toy you have to figure out which is what basically toy story is this Toy Story in particular is about what toys do to find their own purpose with or with, you know, with or without for fulfilling that known fact that they were created for a specific purpose. Yeah, Gabby and Woody, uh, like, say that they were both made in the 50s. And the only kid we ever hear Woody talk about is Andy. So, like, has Woody just never had a kid and, like, had to wait, you know... 40, 50 years whenever Toy Story is supposed to take place? Or has Woody just had to block out the memory of the the past kids that have outgrown <laughs> him and are, you know, probably elderly or dead now? Right. And there's also, like, the question of, like, when do they get life? Because they talked about, like, oh, you have a name on your foot? <gasps> Whoa. Like, almost like that's when you are starting to fulfill your purpose. Yeah. Um, and Forky doesn't become sentient right away either. Um, and because he was, we we physically saw him get created. Like the question of maybe like the soul of a toy comes into a question. The question comes into question. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm wondering, like uh, in Toy Story two, when we see all of those buzzes just waiting to be bought. Are they waiting or have they not come to life yet? Because we did see one of them come to life and replace Buzz, but it's just a lot of questions. I wonder if a toy can, like, go dormant, you know? Like, they can choose to be like, okay, I will just go into myself, like like a meditation hibernation situation. Mm. Wow. That was all that. Yeah, maybe that's what they do when the kids come. You know, when they they yell, Andy's coming, and they fall to the floor. Maybe they're not pretending. Maybe they go into some sort of, like, meditative state. Yeah. Which which does interest me, because in one of the first scenes where Woody is in the closet, and he's explaining, like, oh, my guys, my guys are pros. Don't worry. They won't move. It almost seemed like it's a struggle every single time they get played with to not move. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> That's most of their life. Um, all of this reminds me of that book you're reading in which a toy bunny is totally aware. But in, in this book, I think he can't move. Right. He's just, like, bound to a life of watching and listening. But um, Oh, that sounds terrifying. But... At the beginning of the book, basically, right? And you've only told me about it and read a little bit of it to me, but he's thrown off of a boat and sinks to the bottom of the ocean and just has to, like, live out his existence of sentience at the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) It's terrifying. (laughs) That's another problem with immortality. Uh, it, It not only increases your likelihood of seeing all your friends die, but it also increases your likelihood of getting trapped somewhere. Definitely yeah, goes 100%. up. 100%. <laughs> and it goes up if you can't move. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that book, I forget what it's called. Do you have it written down? I do. It is called The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane. Yeah, that book, 
has fucked me up. It is a <laughs> middle school book. I borrowed it from the middle school library. Stole it, really, because I didn't return it and the school year's over. Um, but he can't move. And for some odd reason, he's still a pretentious little asshole <laughs> at the beginning where he doesn't even listen to people's conversations because he thinks they're boring. And I'm like, your whole existence is listening and watching and you don't even listen to the conversations around you. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's not the part that fucks me up. I just was upset at him. Just thought he was a pretentious little asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but this like existentialism as well as this concept of change uh makes me think of foster's home for imaginary friends Mm -hmm. where like after you create an imaginary friend and then i guess the kid doesn't need the imaginary friend anymore that imaginary friend is stuck living its life beyond that and that's a terrifying reality as well um but interestingly uh steph and i read a book where imaginary friends get created and then they disappear once the kid doesn't need them anymore, which was equally scary because they just slowly start to disappear when the kid, like, makes it to, like, first or second grade because they finally start, uh, they stop needing that security blanket and they just slowly disappear and they're like, "Ah, ah, ah." Yeah, like, which is worse? Knowing that you're just going to exist forever or knowing that you existing is a matter of someone else believing you exist? Your whole reality is chained to whether a child believes in you. Um, Pixar explored that idea in another movie they've done, um, Inside Out, with mm. Bing Bong. Um, the, he literally disappears, like, body part by body part, because um, not because his kid doesn't need him anymore, but I guess, I guess that's the reason, because eventually she, like, forgets about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of reminiscent of like parenthood where like, he's sad that he's gone now, but he's like, I did my job and now it's, it's time for someone else to, you know, make her happy. And then he disappears and I cried. <laughs> uh, if you didn't, you don't have a soul. <laughs> Listen, I didn't cry at what his name was. Bob. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. I was going to sing a song, but I don't know the words. (laughs) Listen, Inside Out makes me cry like a baby every single time I watch it, but it's not at the bing bong part. Oh, I'm going to guess. Is it when the girl goes to her mom and does something? Steph has a great relationship with her mom. That's why I'm guessing this. <laughs> Every single time a mother-daughter interaction happens, I cry. Um, yeah, it's when she comes home after trying to run away, and she just bawls to her parents after thinking that she couldn't, right? So her, the whole movie is her rejecting her emotions because she thinks, oh, I, I shouldn't be sad. Right, like her parents are under enough stress yeah. type of thing. And so she comes home. I'm getting emotional just talking about it. And she just walks through the door and her parents have been worried sick about her. And she starts to cry to them. And I burst into tears every time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely, uh, going back like to the like parenthood, Toy Story 4, while I was watching it, like there were like maybe five to ten scenes where I thought to myself, this is the giving tree. Mm-hmm. Every toy is the giving tree, 
and what a terrible existence. I hate the giving tree, even though it's supposed to be beautiful, because, oh my god, apparently it's horrible to have kids. <laughs> no, I think it's just horrible to be a tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the message of that book? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh. The giving tree also makes me cry every time. <laughs> For good reason. <laughs> it's so sad. Wow, guys, I'm starting to get a little bit emotional. I think this might be a good opportunity to take a quick break. Yeah, and yeah, when we come back, time. when we come back and dry our tears, um, then I think we can talk even more about moving on and change. Boy, oh boy, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to go out and purchase those goods or services. Yum, yum. So, guys, I just realized we never gave our ratings of Toy Story 4. Ah, fuck. fuck. I think it'll be okay. No, forget no. it. We're starting over. No, let me pitch this idea. We could do it now. Stephanie, goddamn genius. That's just stupid enough to work. She really wants that spot on our hypothetical website. <laughs> I'm really vying for it. Am I at least in the lead? Oh, no. Darn it. <laughs> so, my fan rating for Toy Story 4 is, of course, five stars. Um, I think... This movie was specifically written for 20-somethings who have grown up watching this movie. And obviously kids are going to enjoy it, but, you know, the entire arc of this movie is to pull at your heartstrings because it's not the norm and things are different and changing. Um, and so I'm going to give it five stars. Um, I have to agree. My fan rating is five stars. I enjoyed the movie all the way through. It made me laugh. It made me cry. Um, and Joe, I agree with everything you said. I think that it was, it was very targeted at our age group who grew up with Toy Story, whose lives are changing. And yeah. Interesting. Um, as a fan and as a critic, I'm going to give this movie four stars. You're a monster who believes in nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. It did everything that you guys said it did. And I did feel the movie was targeted and not in a cheap way, which I really appreciated. What took away that star for me was that this was a woody story. Um, what I loved so much about Toy Story 1 and 2 was the dynamic shift because of Buzz Lightyear arriving and Woody being affected by that. So it was about, like, a best friendship between those two characters. In Toy Story 3, they really used the whole ensemble, and I was very excited about that. In Toy Story 4, it comes back to being about Woody, which I think it was important. I think the story that they told with Woody was great, but they missed out on using their full ensemble, and... Once you do it in Toy Story 3, I feel like you got to keep going in that direction and grow the ensemble rather than taking the ensemble away. That's fair, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a critic, I think I would drop it down to a four. Um, similar to some of the reasons you brought up, Alex. Um, I mean, I don't think 
it being a Woody story is necessarily bad, but all the, I feel like all the other toys and the characters that they've developed took a real backseat, and um, particularly Buzz. I feel like Buzz kind of devolved from the growth we've seen him have in like the past three movies, and like that for me kind of is a nitpick, but I'm willing to bring it down um, to four stars as a critic. Um, and for me as a critic, and I am, I would say I'm pretty critical of especially animated movies because I have really high expectations, but I have to keep it a five. I just didn't see, and your guys' arguments, I definitely see them. Uh, um, and I, I have to agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. Um, but uh, just at as a movie, it's not enough for me to bring it down a star. Um the whole thing, you know, had me thinking about it long after I watched the movie. And um, that's the kind of movie that I have to give a five star to. Mm. What if the reason it's you thinking about it for so long is because it was so bad? Does that ever happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a different scenario. <laughs> that's, I don't know. Uh, you, set specific, you set the conditions. <laughs> we talk all about that in our Spooky Buddies episode. <laughs> it's true. I think I made my, myself clear in that episode. <laughs> um, I think Buzz Lightyear's step back drastically affected me. Like... In every other movie, he's at least had a subplot. Mm -hmm. um, the subplot, I think, here was shifted to Bo Peep, which I think was an important story to tell. I loved the opening of Woody choosing Andy over Bo Peep, and then at the end, he's choosing Bo Peep over uh, Bonnie. And it, it, it reminded me a lot, again, of this time the show Parenthood. Um the grandpas in that show in the last couple of seasons are shifting to their quote-unquote act three where all of their kids are grown up <clears throat> they all have kids of their own and they've already spent some time getting to know their grandkids so now they're seeing like well what do we want to do next our kids don't need us anymore and that's what woody is going through like what do i want to do next my kid is done with me it's a lot sadder with Woody, though. <laughs> yeah, for me, what I loved... So, again, just I do wish that Buzz and the gang had more of a story in this movie. But the movie, to me, was about Woody finding his forever home and realizing that he can't put himself through the stress and trauma of after being the favorite toy of then having to not be the favorite toy and live this life that is sad for him. And so he has to find somewhere where he will be loved and cared for forever with his group of friends and Bo Peep. And I love it. And it was such a hard choice. And for me, it it's this conflict of which I feel also because I've lived in the same town with the same group of friends my whole life. But, uh, you know, it's like where you've been the longest is not necessarily where you should be. Right. And it encapsulates that idea of you needing different things at different times. Uh, a lot of people hated the How I Met Your Mother ending because uh, the story was told for Ted to explain to his kids that he wants to date Robin because now their mom has passed. 
And a lot of people freaked out and were like, what? Um, like, but but they are so different. Like, the whole time they didn't work out as a couple because they wanted different things. And then people came to the defense of, yeah, but the whole story we've been watching was from a different part of Ted's life. And narrator Ted has already accomplished the things he's wanted to accomplish and is now looking for a different type of relationship. Yes, Steph, I I really like, um, even after the movie, when we were just talking about it um, and not producing content like a bunch of idiots, (laughs) um, you you still, you use the phrase forever home. And I think that's like a perfect... uh, description of the choice Woody makes because he kind of comes to the realization of like I'm always going to be passed down from kid to kid and I'm always going to be sad about it and it's always going to be a hard transition or I could give up this life that I've known and be with Bo Peep who makes me happy always Um, and it it was very spectacular to watch that like change unfold yeah it's so emotional (laughs) yeah i I find a lot of similarities between toy story 4 and wreck it ralph 2 where wreck it ralph 2 addresses this idea of friendship dynamics changing very similar i guess for for people to be going off to college and expecting like friendships to last or at least be as close-knit as it was and it very often isn't. Um, whereas I feel Toy Story 4 takes that direction, but in a much more intense way and more of a uh, like a shift in entire lifestyle rather than just about the relationships with each other. Yeah, Wreck-It Ralph 2 really got to me. <laughs> we just keep talking about things that make me cry, but <laughs> it um, definitely got me, and I really... Uh, see where you're drawing those parallels and I will just say that at the end of Wreck-It Ralph 2 if I can spoil it for you, Joe Uh, go ahead Um, Wreck-It Ralph and Vanellope don't live together in the arcade anymore and they can't see each other every day and it's that very same you know, change of dynamic but they're still friends and they still get to talk to each other every now and again and things like that where Woody has no way of communicating with the toys he like spent years and years with Um, which brings me to a point that I would like to make that I think in 2019 toys would have found a way to stay in touch one the the Triceratops uh, in Toy Story 3 I believe is seen IMing a uh, a different dinosaur toy on the computer. So I think you're right. Yeah. So maybe the stakes aren't nearly as high as they make it out to be. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's still more difficult for a toy than a video game. <laughs> That's pure speculation, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, Woody, sir, Woody probably wouldn't have access to a computer because now he's a lost toy. So true. Right. But uh, moving back, sorry, to the uh, to Buzz's subplot, the tiniest thing that they gave him, which I felt was a little bit ridiculous, was that he started discovering his conscience, something that he hasn't developed in the last 12 to 15 years. Uh, 
seemed a little, again, like, just, like, backwards. Um, but with that said, and I feel like these are nitpick uh, criticisms, I would put Toy Story 4 as my second favorite Toy Story. I would put Toy Story 2 first, Toy Story 4 second, Toy Story 3rd, and I thought Toy Story 3 was the money grab. And I don't understand why people were worried about Toy Story 4 when they already had the money grab in <laughs> Toy Story 3. Alex, I'm very glad to hear that you would put Toy Story 2 first um, because I've faced a lot of scrutiny and I've heard a lot of people say that they thought this was long before the days of Toy Story 4, but they thought that Toy Story 2 was the worst. But I agree. I think I would probably put Toy Story 2 and 4 tied for first because I like them for... I think I like them the same, but for very different reasons. Then I'd put Toy Story mm -hmm. 1 second. And then I don't know if I'd go so far as to call Toy Story 3 a money grab, but I would also put it at the bottom. I'm willing to find those people that you've cl you've said claim Toy Story 2 is the worst and not even argue with them, just kill them. Yeah. Just because just of how <laughs> wrong that is. Yeah. I mean, Kelsey Grammer is in that movie. God. Frasier. Okay. So, for me, um, Toy Story 4 has to be my favorite. And I don't even know if I could rank them in order of my favorite, because for me, it's so much about the buildup of watching the movies throughout my life. Um, it's all about that emotional connection. Um, and that's just, for me, how... It's like the biggest part of um, a series of movies for me. And so I think, for me, I just feel stronger and stronger about each one because they can, are consistently pretty like pretty good. If, if Toy Story 5 came out and it was a horrible, horrible movie and they ruined it all, um, then it would be different. But yeah, as long as it's still a pretty good plot, pretty good character growth, then I, I just get more and more connected. Um, so, yeah. Cool. So, Steph, you mentioned if Toy Story 5 comes out and is a terrible movie and ruins it, I think it's our responsibility to pitch Toy Story 5 right now um, so that it does not ruin the whole franchise. Yeah, so... Luckily, Disney <laughs> and Pixar are two of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they ruin it, we can definitively say it wasn't our fault. Yeah. <laughs> If someone's like, Toy Story 5 was so bad, I could be like, don't look at me, man. <laughs> I tried to help them. I did. <laughs> we did our best. Um, yeah, let's let's see what we can come up with. Um, so right off the bat, I always think of this picture I saw um, as a kid because I thought it was the funniest thing because it was naughty. But they advertised Toy Story 3 long before Toy Story 3 was going to be a thing as um, the toys discovering mom's sex toys. <laughs> and uh, I don't I'm not pitching that for Toy Story 5, but it's always the first thing I think of when I think of what's the next story going to be. Great would, fucking pitch, Alex. I... <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be too far of a departure. 
<laughs> wait, 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 wait. It's not my pitch. I just wanted to hear your reactions to it before saying it wasn't my pitch. If you guys loved it, it would have been my pitch. Got it, got it. I would say Toy Story 5 would have to, and this is going to be the biggest risk they'd ever take, they'd have to leave Woody and Bo Peep behind. And I think they would have to focus on Buzz or Jesse um, uh, or one of the characters that we haven't explored yet and sort of see what it's like to not be the favorite for their whole lives rather than seeing someone fall from grace, sort of maybe see a toy be like, wow, Woody left because he couldn't handle not being the favorite. I've not been the favorite my whole life. That's a good pitch. That's a good pitch. Um, I agree that even though we won't get to see Bunny and Ducky or Duke Kaboom anymore, I do think we have to start focusing on Bonnie's toys rather than Andy's toys. Um, And so obviously that requires us to be in Bonnie's room. I think I would say the opposite, though. Rather than a fall from grace, I would want to see like a rise to power or like a coming of age where someone's like, where one of the toys is realizing that they're the favorite now and like all the responsibility that comes with that. Mm, Room, bedroom politics. Mm, Bedroom makes it sound... Toy room? <laughs> toy room politics. No, I think bedroom politics leads into my not yeah, earlier in the... <laughs> uh, I do like that idea. And, like, almost to the point of someone being like, oh, you know who used to be really good at this? This guy, Woody. And they're like, who's that? And he's like, oh, let me tell you stories about Woody. So, like, he could sort of still be in the story, but, like, yeah. not be the main character yeah exactly i thought you were gonna interesting i thought you were gonna say let me tell you stories about woody and then they just played toy story one through four (laughs) in in the middle of this movie (laughs) that would be a great movie (laughs) um i think it would be fun to see a romantic relationship between rc car that seemed to disappear uh, and skunk car. Mm, yeah. I agree. It would be like that, you know, charmed life of RC car and the, like, rugged downtown life of skunk car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Colliding. <laughs> I want to... Everyone s- hates me. <laughs> I want to see Arctic Combat Carl finally get a high five. <laughs> That's the only movie we need. (laughs) It could be a five-minute clip on YouTube. (laughs) Five minutes is pretty long. I mean, well, you have to establish everything. You have to see him not get the high five a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, I was thinking a YouTube video of like ten seconds where he just gets the high five, (laughs) and all of the buildup was uh, hopefully you did your research beforehand. Yeah. Um, I didn't really get to... I know we're pitching right now. Um, We spent so much time with Forky being a sort of clueless, almost audience perspective of a toy, where he got to say everything he was thinking, and it was always what we were thinking. (laughs) Like, one of my favorite lines was when the ventriloquist dummies leave, and Forky goes, Bye! 
wow, they're scary. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. And because he has no filter, I feel like... I don't know if he could be a good main character. Like, if we explore Toy Story 5, I think Forky should exist. And I think maybe there can be sort of, like, chaos of Bonnie keeps making toys. Mm -hmm. um, And they're getting harder and harder to rescue because even the parents see them as trash. (gasps) Yes, that's that's good, too. Uh, But I don't know if Forky can be the, like, the one in charge of being like, we gotta save them, you guys. Um, I just want to add in here, because I didn't actually say it before, because maybe we didn't really talk about Forky that much, but I loved the idea. Like, poor Bonnie, like, in a new environment, in, like, she's just scared, she just needs someone, and so she makes a toy, and she gets so attached to it, because she needed it, and it was there for her. And I loved it, because it also shows the value of a toy, um, you know, via a child's imagination. And right. definitely establishes in Toy Story that toys are important for a child. Yeah, and I, you definitely see that at the end of Toy Story 4 where Gabby Gabby gets her chance of finding a kid because there's a kid lost at the carnival. And Gabby Gabby's like, all right, I'm going to help her feel safe and brave. And the only reason the child goes to the, I guess, security to say that she's lost is to help Gabby Gabby get found. She's like, oh, I'm going to step up to help Gabby Gabby. And that sense of taking away a child's security blanket too early, I think, is something that can be explored Mm -hmm. uh, just in terms of, again, parenting, but also in, in a Toy Story 5 setting. Um, because Bonnie couldn't take a toy. I think she wanted to take Jesse to the first day of kindergarten. And her parents were like, oh, that's against the rules. And, like, it's kindergarten. Like, yeah. letter. I, d- I didn't understand that perspective. Working of... at a daycare, it's the rules. <laughs> 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 Although they do... At the daycare I worked at, they let them bring them to school, but the toy had to stay in their cubby, and then they could take it out during nap time. Nice. I frequently stole toys from my kindergarten classroom because I enjoyed (laughs) playing with them so much during the day that I wanted to play with them at (laughs) night. (laughs) You're a monster and you ruin kids' lives. (laughs) I would would bring them back. (laughs) Oh, okay. But I would take take them for the night. Do you guys know, like, in, you know, preschool and kindergarten classes, there are always, like, the popular toys, the toys that, like, kids would, you know, the teacher would need to establish turns because everyone wanted to play with it? No? Is this not? Uh, not <laughs> I that I can recall. I was just debating whether I should make a sexual joke here or not, and I decided not to. That's why I was silent. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't remember. Good. <laughs> well, I always my whole life have just been I don't know if like pushover is the right word but I would always like want to play with the toy so bad like just get a chance with the toy that was popular that everyone wanted to play with but I always would be like yeah everyone's waiting for it I the teacher won't pick me (laughs) uh well you know what Michael Scott always says 
you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, oh, but I do, I do want to get into again this idea of letting go and moving on and. I compared it already to the giving tree, but specifically because Woody kept referring to his kid, his kid. I think that really, like, helped me sort of see it in the parent's perspective of when your kid goes off to kindergarten, like, you got to let them go. Uh, When your kid goes off to college, you have to let them go. When your kid, like, starts their career, like, you have to let them go. I felt like Toy Story 3 was geared towards the college student, whereas Toy Story 4 was geared towards the parent. Unless all of them have been geared toward the parent, and I just haven't been old enough to notice. (laughs) We'll have to marathon all of them. (laughs) It's the only way. I own Toy Stories 1, 2, and 3 on Blu-ray, and I do not own a Blu-ray player. Mm. All right, we'll figure it out somehow. (laughs) <laughs> I figured I could just put my nail on the Blu-ray and just move it around on the disc and just watch it through my finger. Yeah. you No, you open your mouth and, it, and like, it goes onto the wall. Yeah. Ah, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, for me, when I think of moving on and letting go, it's always, always in terms of friendships because... I don't deal with it well when my friendships change and evolve. And so every single time one does, it's such a challenge for me. And I have to remember to move on and let go and accept the changes because they're not always negative. They're just different. And so that's a big part of why Toy Story 4 made me emotional. Yeah, I think something that our listeners would relate the most to is friendships. Um... Unless, hey, are there any parents out there listening to us? Please let us know. Um, For me, high school friendships changed completely when I went to college. Uh, The first time we went back for break, it was like, oh, like, oh, my gosh, we haven't seen each other in so long. This is great. How was college? This, that, and the other thing. And by my first summer uh, back from college, I had, like, cut my friendships in half. And it wasn't a purposeful thing, and it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just, we found different things. And I still see them on Facebook, and I think Facebook is something that uh, makes it sort of difficult to move on or to let go, so I still have sort of this almost nostalgic or reminiscent feeling of, oh, we could have still been friends, but like, I feel like it's too late right now. I'm getting that feeling with my college friends at the moment it's like when you go from seeing someone like every day and like living in the same place with them and then once you graduate you know you go on to a new school or like a career and then it's like oh wow we're like real people now and like we actually have to put effort into this and like you said it's no one's fault and it's not necessarily like a bad thing or a malicious thing it's just kind of like happens right and it's uh it can be a tearjerker i don't think anyone's necessarily comfortable with change but some people are better at dealing with it than others i feel like change is generally hard and it's okay to acknowledge that 
Um, not placing blame is really important. And I think trying to push your perspective to the positives of, well, I see them less because they're accomplishing their goals. Or I see them less because I'm accomplishing my goals or other situations like that like you have to really take into account the fact that this is a good thing overall yeah different doesn't always mean bad it just means different and have that'll do it for this episode thank you all so much for listening please tune in next time when we talk about the lion king 2019 and live action remakes if you like this you can follow us on twitter and instagram at two underscore bald men and find us on facebook and don't forget to rate and subscribe on apple podcasts and soundcloud thank you all again and if you were driving we hope you got to your destination safely and on time